welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. You know, a couple different times Troy has said this is going to be the last Cannon Fodder, but it hasn't happened yet. We're back again with another week of Cannon Fodder. I'm here with my good buddy, uh, Troy LaValle. <laughs> you keep saying it like you're part of a test or something like that, and I heard a chuckle. I heard a chuckle in the wings. Who's that, ladies and gentlemen, once again? <laughs> it's Skid. It's Skid! Old chuckle Skid face. Skid is back again. He actually moved in with Troy. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're roomies now. Yeah. Uh, Troy's uh, fallen on hard times financially, so he's also invited a couple other people to live in his apartment, namely... Hey guys, it's Matthew. <laughs> Matthew's here! Did you get more toilet paper yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my wife is so pissed. <laughs> oh man, and uh, she's not pissed because Matthew's here. She's pissed because Grant is here. <laughs> Feels like you're really externalizing your internal monologue right now, Joe. Uh, but yes, Grant Berger, I'm excited to be here. Can you believe it? The whole crew here together for Canifodder. Obviously, we should be doing this more often, but this is one of those rare opportunities where a bunch of... Uh, Assholes from New York can actually get together and sit in the same room outside of the podcast recording and record a cannon fodder together and talk about this week's episode. Mm. We are uh, following up episode 65 this week. A classic. Yeah, an episode filled with ridiculously uh, amazing role-playing Skidmar <laughs> and uh, and some fantastic story reveals. We will get to all that. Very excited to talk about that. But first... Uh, if you remember last week's Cannon Fodder and last week's episode, we talked about the dramatic fall of Lork Iron Tusk. Oh. He was walking to the well, failed his perception check, which Troy had generously given him, but uh, he couldn't make it happen with a die roll. Shocking. <laughs> and then falls through the ground, and we don't know what's going to happen. Well, what ends up happening is uh, really boring and not really worth talking about for too long of a time. Yeah, but you were <laughs> nervous for a week, right? And that, and that was worth it, right? Then my mission is accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask I can upset you. Well, let me ask you about that. As a GM, how mm-hmm. often do you set up suspenseful situations that are ultimately not going to be anything really scary? Well, I mean, we're just doing short sessions for the podcast, so it's a, it's a little bit of a different beast, and I'm actually surprised we're able to do as many cliffhangers as we are. Um, but like in any normal session, I like to try to end on a, a moment, and in this case, we I manufactured one because a 10-foot drop is not uh, suspenseful, but you thought it was. I'm <laughs> right. sure the listeners thought it was because your reaction was like that. It's just, uh, for a GM, I want to make my players be so excited about the next session. You know what I mean? Because yeah. so many gaming groups fold, and I think a lot of that is just they lose interest. So I try to end everything on an interesting note to make people be like, I can't wait till we play Giant Slayer again. Yeah, that's a good idea, especially because you know when you're looking at uh, a group that doesn't really meet often, and we'll talk more about that later, you might get into a situation where even after a four or six hour session, you don't want to just end with like uh, uh, the, uh, shopping you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like try to end it with something that's a little bit more uh, of a cliffhanger and you, you have them desiring to get back together again for that next thing. So anyway, real quick, what, what's the purpose for that in the module, really? Like, th- there was even no, from a metagame standpoint, there was no real thrill or excitement or anything to falling through that floor. Why have it? Um, Do you think, for the writers, I mean, there was no encounter that it could have factored into. There was no real, like reason to have the well create a soft floor like was it just because they're like oh well right i I can't imagine you'd be at uh you know you would have had five hit points left and i rolled the six and you were knocked unconscious and started bleeding out you know what i mean right 
Yeah, just or if there were like even people attacking them upstairs, and then you fell through, like that would make sense. But there was almost no way for there to be a combat around that fall. The only thing I uh, maybe, and I'm I'm projecting here, it may not be true, is just to make the PCs be extra cautious. Like we can't even walk into a room without the floor bu- falling through. We got to be on guard, yeah. and then maybe you would have noticed the traps and the this and the that. So I think it's just there to kind of keep you. On guard. That's a good reason for it. But in this episode, we Lork gets back up and we find this cage with these intelligent creatures. And I, I kind of want to hand this over quickly to, to Skid and, and Matthew, who kind of did, if I'm not mistaken, the knowledge checks to figure out that these things could talk, that they might talk common. And then Skid obviously launches into an amazing uh, <laughs> line of diplomacy, which was just so entertaining for the group. And uh, I just want to ask you, Skid, you know, how did you, what were you thinking when you went into that? What was your goal? And, uh, and how do you come up with the things that you say to some <laughs> beast that you want to uh, get on your side? I don't know. I, I was just like trying to be very careful <laughs> and like, because I just wanted to make sure that there's no chance for misunderstanding. <laughs> you know, I want to be, just parse out my words and make sure that like, there's no surprises and there's no, it's just everyone calm down. <laughs> I said it was like a hostage negotiation, right? you know, at the time. And that's kind of how I was playing it. It felt like a hostage ne- negotiation done by Monty Python. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Cleese doing a hostage negotiation. Uh, He'd be a great hostage negotiator. <laughs> but, uh, oh, hey, l- uh, let him go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, that's fucking John Cleese. Let him go. <laughs> we surrender. Uh, all right. I'm, I want to kick this around the room quickly because I think that it is, you know, we've talked on the show before about from a GM standpoint, how do you encourage your players to role play better? How do you encourage them to role play at all? Some people just want to min-max and get the most out of their combat rounds. How do you get them to be in character more often? And we've addressed a lot of those uh, questions, I think, but we haven't addressed, as a player, if you want to do that, but you find yourself falling short, how do you get better at role playing? Uh, I'm actually going to kick this over to Grant first because he is a special guest of the show this week. And I know we played together a few years ago in Skids Rise of the Rune Lords campaign. I guessed it very briefly. And I remember you talking about how when you first started playing, it was very tactical. It was very video gamey. But you start sort of uh, this world of role playing was opened up to you and now you enjoyed it a little bit more. Can you tell me about that transition and now how you go about thinking as Baron, acting as Baron from episode to episode? The first time I did tabletop role playing, I was so nervous. Um, it was almost <laughs> like going on stage, and I was also concerned. It's almost like a social situation when you don't know the people. So um, you want to perform well, exactly. but you're nervous. Yeah, and everyone there could do like a crazy accent, and all I can do is a Texas accent. So <laughs> I'm hoping Baron lives forever. First off, <laughs> I've been listening to a lot. I'm of an st- oracle. <laughs> Hey, hey, y'all. I'm an oracle. Hey, you want to see something mysterious? Um, So, no, I've been listening to Scottish podcasts and, like, Jason Statham interviews to try to, like, like also. Anyway, um, people don't have to feel like they aren't role-playing because they don't have a British accent, right? Um, 100%. You can say, my character says this, and this is why, and these are the reasons why. And that can be great role-playing. And that's what Skid told me the first time, and he said... I didn't even know. So you should never be intimidated about it. What do you think about as Baron, you know, in a, in a role-playing situation? How do you try to get into his character, quote-unquote? Um, I'm really glad that we saw Droja's vision 
I'm glad that uh, uh, Troy is putting a, a wrench in the works for me to some degree. So beca- it gets you thinking. It gets me thinking. It has me ready to act in the time. But I think in any session, not just a, a podcast, you got to give everyone else time. So I've been I've been kind of taking a step back because I know Galabras has had some amazing moments. I know that that Lork has. All these, he has a new god. He, he's he's encountering. He's still fighting orcs that kind of look like him, and he's not sure <laughs> like where he stands in the world. And Dell is just getting herself oriented. So you need to strike a good balance between role playing your character well, but also knowing when to back off when it's another player's turn to role play. When they are going to be the focus of the scene, it's like you don't need to be the focus of every scene, man. Just because you're way into your character and you really like your character and you're a really good actor, or you're really funny, sometimes take a step back, let somebody else have the spotlight for a bit because that might advance the story in a really interesting way too. Matthew, let me ask you. You, when we started out this podcast some 65 episodes ago, <laughs> uh, was a complete noob to the Pathfinder way and, uh, and to playing with us. And now, obviously, you have had uh, some of the most uh, praised role-playing credits of the entire series uh, through Gormley and what has happened with Gormley and now the creation of a new character who is as interesting, uh, if not more so. So tell us how you go about that process and and, uh, what works for you. I think, I mean, there there was a kind of scene that we would role-play that I still have trouble with, and that's the... um, the get information out of another character scene. Because mm-hmm. I feel like those scenes have... Interrogation. Interrogations or like, in, even in the investigation portion of the early episodes, those are tough because it's like we have a very specific goal. Um, and then, if, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're running up against the, that character's tactics of evading, giving that information. Just, it just, it feels different. And those, I feel like if they go wrong, they, draw, they get drawn out and everyone gets frustrated. But the scenes I've found that I enjoy are the ones that kind of can flesh out the world a little more and not just like how everything looks, but just like how people interact in this world. And I don't, and not just Galarian, but within the confines of our specific game. Uh, so like moments with Halrax, I mean, th- those, I mean, that's what I would like to listen to <laughs> because right. we get a sense of like, oh, this like when weird shit happens, like magic intervenes, like then what, then like, then how do these people behave? Right. I also think, like, for what was really helpful when you, you, when Joe first dragged me into this game, uh, <laughs> kicking, kicking and screaming. And screaming. <laughs> um, I think what I he found was like, I'm a professional. <laughs> well, actually, I was like, I don't play I child's to? games. <laughs> I'm blow my wand on a bunch on a bunch of games. Uh, <laughs> but I think it, what was has been really helpful with Gormley and then Della too is that th- these are characters that have a very specific worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas a character I rolled, rolled up for Pathfinder Society, for example, was just, he was a fighter and it was like, you know, he had a standard fighter backstory and just, I didn't know how he moved through the world. Gormley saw the world in a very specific way. Yeah. So she came in with a number of opinions and grudges and interests and that kind of thing. So it just, she had an angle. So you're saying that your role playing was really enhanced by your backstory building. The backstory and also just like, who, it was like, does Gormley... What is Gormley interested in? Like, does she, does she, when she runs into people, does she want to know about what they think about certain things or like how they, how they, you know, what they would do in front of a scorpion? Like, she was very into chaos. So, like, introducing a chaotic element into the conversation and then seeing what happened. Yeah. Was fun for both me as a role player and for her as a character. Dell's a little bit more challenging because everything's new. So, it's like sometimes, yeah. Uh, Troy, you are obviously a, uh, trained actor and a stand-up comedian and multi-millionaire (laughs) i mean so successful 19th century industrialist (laughs) 
I can't believe Troy you got Rockefeller. Me on, I can't be, believe you got me on this two bit show. <laughs> uh, talk to us a little bit now. Obviously, I think that you. Uh, Listeners of the show would know how many different characters you are forced to play from week to week. Uh, not just accents aside, because, I mean, as Grant said, it doesn't matter if you can't do an accent, which you can't do. What matters... <laughs> uh, I'd like to say, I think the manticores sounded a little different. I mixed yeah. it up. No, I will say that uh, it just took you 65 tries, but you're getting a lot better. You are getting, <laughs> getting a lot better. there. You're getting a lot better. I guess we forgot about Howie. <laughs> no, but you really are... Uh, Never forget. Uh, accents aside, though. You really are great at embodying what that character is motivated by, pushing that character's agenda, even when it's anti the PC's agenda, mm -hmm. even when sometimes it's anti the adventure's agenda. Mm -hmm. And it makes us work so hard to go back against it. So, um, you know, not to get too far into it, we don't need a whole graduate course, but how yeah. do you get into that, into character, and uh, how do you find the motivation for your guys? Um, and girls, you know, I don't know when I when I got back into this, I, I remember just uh, thinking to myself, "This is so embarrassing. Like, I don't want to do these voices and stuff." And totally, so, that's exactly how I, I know, felt. I was like, ah, you know, it, it, even when I got to know, you know, uh, you know, Skid better and the other people in our in our first group, when I got back, I still was kind of like, ah, I would describe what my character says. You know what I mean? And I think that's a great way to get back into role-playing. That's so you a don't way have to ease into it. Right. You don't have to be like, um, uh, dear sir, I believe we should go to the uh, mansion and search the basement. Yeah, you, you, know? can, you can say, like, um, my character right. is uh, kind of awkward and nerdy and wants everybody to go search the basement. Right. What do you guys want to do? And like that's fine. Like Grant was saying earlier, like you don't have to act everything out as long as you're thinking as that character. But anyway, not to cut you off, but right. No, I mean that's a great way to ease into it. And I think if you start doing that in a room that you feel comfortable with, eventually you'll start, uh, you know, finding that the voice of that character. And, right. And it might just be a one-liner here and there, a, a sentence like "I agree," you know, and uh, <laughs> and then eventually you'll you'll feel you'll more into it. But you can't expect everyone to be. A performer, and at the same time, for the performers in the room, you can't hog the the stage time either. You know what I mean? Right. You've got to like give everybody a, a chance to speak, and you you pretty much talked about that. Um, but in terms of getting into it, you know, it's tough because there are people who are just naturally really good at it, and other people uh, they're not. So I think that the key is if you're if you're trying to figure out a way to do. Well, it, we're talking to the people who are not. You know, so right. what would you say to the people that are not the people that fr that that struggle with performing in front of other people? They're nervous or they're awkward or I would say d be descriptive. That's the best thing you can do. Be descriptive about mundane actions because it just gets your creative wheels turning. You know what I mean? Ask questions. Ask questions to the other player. What do you guys think about? Should we do this? Should we do that? Like really think in the scene, and but like, not in tactics. You're not allowed to do that. Not in tactics, in tactics but it's kind of like <laughs> you know, think think back to book one when you had like, all right, there's a murder. We got to find out who did it. Who should we talk to? You yeah. know, just talking aloud amongst yourself uh, and whatnot. But but yeah, be be descriptive. You know, a, a way to kind of ease into it is like kind of what we do with the podcast is rather than saying, okay, uh, I swing with my scimitar, uh, nineteen uh, hit. Okay, uh, four points of damage. <laughs> you can be like, all right, I draw my scimitar. I kind of. I, I dodge my way in, and none of this is actually happening. But you're just you're describing it, and I reach back and I swing nineteen hit. Oh, it does blade damage, you know. And the GM can help you uh, do that as well. But you know, just the the key is be descriptive. Have a have a cinematic view of the action that's unfolding. Right. You know what I mean? Like look at it as a movie. You know, and like you said, you're going to attack. Like 
you can easily say, because even though it happened last round and the guy swung and missed you or whatever, you can say in this round, even though it's been six minutes since your last turn, you can be like, she ducks under the swing. It swings over and then she stabs forward and ah, oh, tinks off the armor. Not like I missed. Right. You know what I mean? It's like it tinks off of the armor. You know, little things like that are going to help you to start getting into the scene. You want to be a storyteller in the best way that you can be as a role as a role player like don't just play the mechanics even if that's what you enjoy the most you got to find a way to be a storyteller and collaborate with the other people in the room to tell a story together and and one thing you can do to be a better role player is uh, if this was a story is make it hard on your character don't always just try to do max damage don't always just try to kill the bad guys like sometimes put yourself in a disadvantage dis advantageous position because maybe getting out of it or succeeding in that situation is going to cause an interesting moment and that creative decision is going to get your juices flowing and then all of a sudden and all the other players juices flowing too yeah you you can't always unlike video games you can't always try to win make it hard on yourself and it creates interesting story and then you're you're gonna you're gonna be a better role play it's gonna make the group more fun uh skid let me kick it over to you you are uh, in my opinion the star of this episode, because that whole scene with the Manticores was fantastic. And you told us where your motivation was in that scene, but please, it's one of dozens of scenes where you have shown as Galabras uh, being just a, a really interesting character. So where did, uh, why don't you just talk about a little bit about where Galabras came from in the first place? Uh, not like his backstory, but like just the idea of his character. And then uh, what sort of strategies you use to be a better role player? Because I've been with you in multiple games and you're amazing <laughs> in every game you play and completely different with every character. Uh-huh. So Thanks. Yeah, I... I, I being playing in a game Skid GM'd was like a masterclass in watching like not only did, like every little minor character had like a complete point of view and like, do you remember we played a game with Skid once where we had to solve a murder mystery and he was the one doing all the inter- characters we were interrogating they were so specific three dimensional and interesting and you really felt like you were in the room and when you just couldn't get the answer you were like yeah but you also knew exactly what this guy's like thing was or this girl's thing was like yeah, you got the character instantly from the way Skid was portraying it yeah yeah he'll, he'll like kick back his chair totally change his posture and like go into a new character it's it's fantastic that was so fun I liked the guy there was some guy who was just a total asshole I can't remember he's like just lying in his hammock while you guys were and he's just being so obstructionist and like he just didn't care it was so much fun to play Uh, yeah so Um, if you want to play that adventure it's called uh, murder on the throaty mermaid. Yeah. I was really fun. It's a throaty fun one. Mermaid. Yeah. Throaty mermaid, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. I was really? like, I was like, was I just unnecessarily dirty? That's, <laughs> a, that's a Pathfinder Society. It's a Pathfinder uh, Society mod, uh, scenario. You could buy it for about two ninety nine, and yep. it's about a four or five hour one off. And it is fantastic. If you have Skid so to run good. it for you, it's amazing. <laughs> no, but talk to us about your uh, your process. Well, I really, I really just wanted an opportunity to do that voice, that accent. Uh, first and foremost, oh, uh, like, uh, yes, upper class, like uh, English, upper class Brit. yes, upper class, oh, yeah. Brit. London Brit, yes, and so I mean, it all it all sort of came from that. Um, I just, I'm always like, I've always been a huge, you know, fan of Downton Abbey. Well, <laughs> I did like, I like Jane the, Austen always. Yeah, <laughs> I like the first season. No, but I've always been like a, a huge, you know, I always loved One Tree Hill, Fal- <laughs> Faulty Towers, and. And you know, obviously, Monty Python and and all that stuff. And I've just always had this fascination with British culture and 
kind of social stratification and everything, and I just kind of wanted to play on someone who was upper class who rebelled against his uh, his family uh, background and you know and wanted to do you know kind of uh, the right thing yeah to be to humble himself and like do the right thing in the world but really it, it really does come down to the voice and um yeah and if if he ever something bad happens to him i look forward to doing a different voice <laughs> we'll see where that goes you know i i realized i didn't really answer your question so i just briefly say the, the the key is like if you don't have acting training is like just listening to the other person that's talking mm. if you're the gm listen to the player if you're the player Listen to the GM. Listen and respond. You know, this is acting 101, but not everybody has that kind of training. And if you listen and respond, there's going to be an interesting scenario. Now, you may not be super creative. It's not always, you don't always have to be funny. You know what I mean? Like, Skid murders whenever he role plays. Yeah. You know, but you're not, you don't, it doesn't have to be funny. But it should, by the end of it, advance the story in some way. Like, Skid and I don't rehearse how the Manticores <laughs> are going to talk to Galabras. You know, but that day I was walking around the house, like, trying to figure out what the Manticore's voice was and thinking of different things he might say. He's working it in the shower. But I didn't even know Galabras was going to walk into the room and talk to him. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking, like, things you guys might say. And then Galabras comes and does that. And you, you just do your best trying to th- figure out, if you're a GM, what does this character want? What is the main thing that it wants? Not the GM. If you're anyone if you're in anyone. this game. Yeah. What, is the what does want? the character want? In this moment, right now. Right. What does the character want in this moment right now? And, and that's going to change from moment to moment to moment. But you also have to share that with what is interesting for the group. You know, it, it's balancing those two things. For me, it is, and you've seen me, you know, role play Lork many times to just... Uh, just falling short. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not very clever with words. I, I, my accent's terrible. Names. Exactly. Names. <laughs> clever names on, on no notice. Not my strong suit. And I don't claim to be a, a strong role player. I play in another game with Troy where my character has no accent whatsoever. Never has. I just, I never really got into it. In fact, I played in a few games before we started recording this podcast, and Lork is the first character I've ever done a voice for. And when we started the show, the first episode, I was just like, I'm going to do a voice. And like, I was so embarrassed. Just like you said. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was so embarrassed, you know? But now it's just like, it doesn't matter. Like, nobody cares. Everybody kind of hears it with what they want to hear, you know? I ha- it's funny because when you were early on, your accent was drifted towards the Irish like quite yeah. a bit, like pretty yeah. often. And in the video versions of the uh, the enhanced version of the podcast on the YouTube channel, whenever you veer into Irish, I throw up a picture of the Lucky Charms leprechaun. <laughs> 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 I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, so every time you stop doing it, like in the third episode, but every yeah, time I, every I time you veer was, into it, I put it up there. I always think of like uh, like pilots. And like uh, early cartoons, you know, before they really got picked up. Right, they changed the voices. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. They change everything. Yeah. Oh, Gormley you, Endell's voices have like trotted the globe. <laughs> <laughs> You've also like uh, as much praise as we're heaping on Skid, the fuck king of shit mountain. <laughs> uh, uh, in a one-off we did with the Fire Temple, you played this guy who was working at the Fire Temple as a forge, as a smith. Oh, and yeah. we snuck up on you and you were like, oh. Sorry, what? What? It was either Scottish or Irish, but it was perfect. Yeah, it, I was, think it was so Scottish, spot yeah. on, and it was beautiful. So you're uh, really good at them. You too. don't give yourself enough credit, Joe. I mean, you're terrible at most things, <laughs> but you're you're better than you think. Uh, that uh, adventure, by the way, another one that you should check out is the Temple of Imp. No, not that's not it. It's the yeah. um, the Wait. Citadel of Flame. Citadel of Flame. Check out the Citadel of Flame. Oh. Another Pathfinder Society adventure, four or five hours long. 
So good. Uh, all right, well, let's move on because I uh, obviously we're, we took up so much time with that, but I think it is an important aspect of the game. But I do want to know if you guys can tell me because I don't know. Uh, manticores. So we're standing at these manticores. Skid does an amazing job of role playing in front of them, but I just don't know what they are. That name I know, Manticore. I've heard that before. Don't know why, really. I just because I'm a general nerd, I guess. But you know, what is it? Lion's body, dragon's wings? It has a vaguely humanoid head, the body of a lion, and the wings of a dragon. And then its tail ends in long, sharp spikes. We had said uh, a scorpion tail. It has that look, but it's, it's, it definitely So looks what's their like lore? That. Where do they come from as intelligent beasts? They're like, uh, Persian. It's from, <laughs> they are. It's from, it's a Persian mythology. Oh, okay. They're but kind they're, of like related to like uh, the Sphinx. Oh. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's absolutely. And like a chimera. Yeah, right. They're on that that family. Yeah, um, you know they were like it's you know in Pathfinder lore it says they were likely a magical creation, um, but it was so long ago that they've now established themselves as a naturally occurring species. Yeah, you know I think one of the most interesting things about playing Pathfinder that a lot of people don't know is that a lot of what is generated in the Pathfinder universe, the Pathfinder world, the bestiaries and everything, is just based on human folklore. Mm-hmm. It's just based on actual, real human folklore. They're not just coming up with weird shit out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's five bestiaries. They're like 400 pages each. They've got to draw from something. But even the in- individual adventure paths, each book has a bestiary of just new creatures just for that. And I remember like the third book of Jade Region. You're going over the crown of the world. And they talk about in the prologue, we created, we took some Inuit mythology and hmm. created uh, creatures out of Inuit mythology. So, I mean, nothing is off limits with these guys, and they are the best at what they do at creating these creatures. So let's talk about some of the huge plot reveals we got. We, you know, we go into this cage, we start looking at documents, and we get a treasure trove of information that this stupid giant has <laughs> left behind in her sadness, whatever it is. And, uh, and now we're starting to read about her uh, proposal, which we kind of knew about, but now we're seeing, like... She, he wrote back this. His name is Volstice. This is the first time we're getting this. Am I pronouncing that right? Volstice? It's, it's Volstice, actually. <laughs> Such a jerk. <laughs> you see, Troy now is, is channeling a jerk. Uh, he's role playing a jerk very well. WNBC. <laughs> WNBC. Yes, you know, so you're going through this now. You're deep into the second book of this module or whatever, and now you're finding out that there might be another BBG. Yeah, it is very like, uh, it's just expanding into really interesting territory where we have this, you know, before we thought the giants were connecting with the orcs and that was going to be bad enough. Well, now we have this idea out there of somewhere south of Trunel, the giants are gathering to take over what? All of Galarian? The the world. The The known world? (laughs) Pretty much the known world. So now we have this other layer of things to go, uh, to go after, but Ah, you know, let's not get distracted. Eyes on the prize. We have Gretzeldeck up ahead of us, and uh, and we need to focus on that. But mm-hmm. let's uh, get to a fan question. We got a fan question lined up for this week uh, from, I'm sorry, Skid, I, you, I, I asked you to help me with this before. Is it Katya? Kat, Katya. Katya. Katya uh, Hauser writes in from... It's from Germany. Is it Heidelberg? Heidelberg. 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 From Heidelberg, Germany. I've been there. Uh, Oh. It's lovely. You have? Yeah. Then you should (laughs) field this question. You should field this question, Matthew. This one goes out to you first. By the way, it's pronounced Hindenburg. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep going. See, that's what an acting degree will get you. Uh, Hindenburg. (laughs) 
a, a question that is maybe interesting for the fodder. I kind of like that. Should we start calling it the fodder? The fodder. No, that's the fodder. like the, the after show of Cannon Fodder. <laughs> like the morning show. We're sitting around with cups of coffee. Welcome to the fodder. Welcome to the fodder. We talk, it's a behind the scenes show of the behind the scenes show. About a behind the scenes show. <laughs> we uh, could use the Alan Sherman song for the intro. The Hello, Mata. Hello, Fada. Hello, Fada. The glass behind us, uh, behind us, just overlooks Central Park. <laughs> Tourists walking along. Um, have you ever had groups that would meet very rarely, like once every few months? Did you do anything about it? <laughs> That's pretty blunt, Matthew. You want to feel this one? Yeah, I think the question is: Have you ever <laughs> have you ever been part of a group? That, that Matthew, you've been to Germany. Uh, how, what uh, do you have to say about? And this? Matthew, please. In German. Yeah, yeah. Here in Mannerhauser, uh <laughs> No, uh, in my... Troy's little... eyes just went wide, like, I can't believe Matthew can speak German. <laughs> I miss him. Uh, I'm going to use my expertise to let somebody else feel this question. Smart. Can I, can I say that when I landed in Switzerland to visit some friends for a wedding, uh, I tried to order my first coffee in German, and I was like, I walked up to the, to the counter, and I said, Ein Milkkaffee, bitte. And she said, oh, and she was like happy. And then she said a bunch of gibberish I couldn't understand. And then I said, what? And she said, take away or for here. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Uh, I will, uh, well, I'll feel part of it because I was GM of Council of Thieves for many years. And mm-hmm. we actually finished that, which is awesome. But that was a group that met very few and far time, uh, in between, months at a time. And I will say two things, two main things that helped me to keep everything together. The first is right everything down immediately following the session. Mm -hmm. So when the session is over, literally the next day, not even two days later, because the next day you'll remember so many of the little nuances that happened. The next day, write out an email that is like, what happened last session? Yeah, synopsis. And and send it out to the group. You know what I mean? Be like, this was hilarious. And you're just sending out a a synopsis. You can do it in one page, maybe two pages, even a four-hour session. You could collapse down to that. It doesn't have to include all the roles and everything. It just, you know, it gets out and it also will uh, keep a record of some of the little funny things that happened which to me are the most important things to remember over the course of a campaign the weird things like you were saying earlier that you didn't expect that kind of pop out at you so uh, keeping that record and then immediately prior to your next session even if it's two months later three months later writing again to talk about the overall plot ideas to talk about especially if you're doing an adventure path what are the things that you ultimately are looking for, going for? What are the characters, uh, remember what their goals are, because that gets lost uh, lost in an adventure path. The other thing I would suggest, and this is uh, not if you're doing a, a long-term campaign, if you have a group that can't meet very often, maybe suck it up and just don't do a campaign and do one-off adventures where each time you can do a complete story in four to five hours, but you can use the same characters you know, across each one. And I think the Pathfinder scenarios are a good way to do that. Yeah, I think I definitely do that. I don't send out an email afterwards, but I keep my own notes. Um, that's really important. But I think like, as far as, uh, you know, don't be afraid to replace people. Like if they, if, if their schedules just, don't line up and they're they're making it hard for everyone else to meet talk to them and you know see if they can change something or if they can't then you know bring in somebody else who will make it easier i mentioned earlier that i met grant in your rise of the rune lords game the whole reason that i was there is because somebody in your group couldn't make it again yeah and you're like can you come in and play this character yeah i just i guessed it 
Troy's replaced me in our Jade Region campaign many times. (laughs) (laughs) It's for the best. (laughs) Roll20.net is a great tool for uh, keeping groups together that have uh, slowed down because it's it's really hard to get a you know five five six people physically in the same room together mm. but like yeah you know joe's uh, had a baby recently and we're doing our jade region campaign and we're really nearing the end of book four and all this amazing stuff is happening and it's just i, I i'm lucky that we even get joe for the podcast let alone trying to do this <laughs> other campaign um but i can't replace joe um because he buys the beer um <laughs> so we've switched i put everything on roll20.net and it's a great way of like even if we just play for like two hours we did a session a couple weeks ago where we just did like one encounter it just keeps yeah. things going. I put the baby to bed and I just jumped on the computer for a couple hours. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is that's a great option to keep a group together, even a group where ever, all the members are in the same city. It's like, how about you spell those long breaks with a roll 20 session? Right. Then you get back together in person. Then you play another roll 20 session, then back together in person. You don't have to play for six hours. <laughs> right. It's a great way to keep the narrative going. Mm-hmm. You, you also, for everyone that in high school or middle school or going to be in a place for a long period of time where you don't have commitments and a job and all this, I wish someone had told me and I had a, a pen and paper group and just take advantage of that time mm-hmm. because getting five adults with significant others and jobs and, and their own life into a room is so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It is. So take advantage of that time. If you're in college right now and you can even possibly get a group up, you should be playing every single week, if not two times a week. Put away the video games, man. This is way better. Like way, way, way better. You can, you can always the play together. the video games whenever, but the people aren't going to be there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, long one. Thank you for hanging in there with us uh, for this one. But it was just too exciting to have everybody from the GCP on it. Uh, any parting words? I'm going to start with Skid. A uh, goat. That's a good word. Grant. Keep, keep on keeping on. Matthew. Sits Pinkla. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just curse? No, that's actually someone who's, uh, it's German for someone who sits to pee. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> so, Troy. <laughs> I just, I'm more comfortable that way. <laughs> I've had a hard day, I like to take a load off. Um, No, but I just want to say, seriously, guys, get out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're out of here, buddy. Thanks for having us. We'll see you next week. 